right, welcome to the Sober Heathen Podcast. I am sober. I'm a heathen. I am Scott. Um, I am very excited about today's interview. Yesterday, we had on a gentleman who is fresh at 100 days. Today, we got um, some super longevity um, to talk to. Um, it's going to be great. Uh, just a couple things. Uh, as mentioned yesterday in the podcast, um, starting to build up donations again for Harbor Hall in Petoskey, Michigan. Um, if you're in the area um, and want to contact me, if you have something you'd like to donate, we're looking for hygiene products. Uh, it's coming in the summertime. They do a lot of swimming up there as part of treatment. Um, so swimwear, hygiene products, uh, backpacks, anything. You, just remember when you when you think about treatment, a lot of these guys are coming from jail. A lot of these guys are coming from the streets. Um, just one brand new t-shirt or even a, a slightly used t-shirt can make all the difference, man. Uh, put a smile on somebody's face and help them uh, uh, start their day a little bit better. Uh, treatment is hard enough as it is. And uh, to come in wearing crappy clothes or the same shirts every day, um, to, to to make every little step easier for them is, is what we're trying to do here with the podcast. So uh, the Sober Heathen at Yahoo.com or Scott at the Sober Heathen, uh, com. Um, today we have Kevin and, uh, I'll let Kevin tell you about himself. Um, super excited to hear more about his story. I really appreciate coming on the podcast, Kevin. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Scott. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity, man. Uh, I'm glad that I, you know, connected with you on, on Twitter because I'm always in position to give back. Uh, early on, it was given to me freely from uh, a, a guy named Vincent, who I told you in, in our Twitter uh, messages that Vincent had 25 years before he passed and Javon had 40, 45 years before he passed. And both of those guys really, <laughs> hey man, they really gave me tough love and, uh, it, it, you know, it was no cutting corners. They didn't sugarcoat anything. This is how it works. So either you get with the winners or you're going to continue to bump your head. And uh, ultimately, it would be three things, Kevin, jails, institutions, or death. So it finally sunk in, you know, after uh, four treatment, four treatment programs. And I, you know, went there for all the wrong reasons because I had a good government job and man, I, you know, I, I, as I reflect back on the times that I went to treatment for the wrong reasons, I really compared myself out. You know, I, I'm, I don't belong here. I'm not like them. You know, I'm, I'm saying this out loud to, to the, the group in a circle. I don't belong here. I'm not an addict. I'm not an alcoholic, but um, I am, you know, and finally I, I came to grips with uh, reality and that fifth treatment center. I heard the same thing that I heard in the previous fall. <laughs> and, you know, it was just a, a redundant message. And I just said, uh, even before I went in uh, a, a scout, I had surrendered, you know, and I went through a outpatient program, but it was kind of a surprising encounter where I go to this outpatient program, but I don't want to take a drug to get off another drug. So I'm telling my counselor, hey, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. I, I, I don't want to take no methadone. I used to take methadone when we couldn't purchase heroin. So why do I need, no, I'm sorry. I, I tell you what, if you can get me in the outpatient program, I will take my urines, I will report on time, um, but let's exclude the methadone. So my counselor, who was a female, she sent me up to the director. I'm going, I'm going upstairs to the big guy. <laughs> and, 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 and I, you know, I, I, I didn't know who he was. And finally I get to his office and his nice lavish office, all this leather furniture. He's in, he's, you know, dressed kind of dapper looking. And he says, come on in, son, and have a seat. And he says, um, how can I help you? I said, well, my counselor is Mrs. Turner. And she recommends that I get into the methadone program. I really need it. 
because I'm tired, sir, but I don't want to take any methadone. I just want to participate until I get into an inpatient program. He looked at me as if I was from another country. And he says, uh, are you sure you're in the right place? I said, yes, sir. I, I understand. I understand. This is a, I understand this is a methadone clinic. But I am not going to take methadone to get off of heroin. I said, you know what, sir? I know a man. I know a man that's going to help me to go cold turkey. But he never asked me the man's name. He rubbed his forehead like I'm doing right now. And he said, well, who is this guy? So he said, well, what type of habit did you have? And I said, well, you know, uh, Dr. Jackson, with, with, with no exaggeration, you know, Georgia Ab Avenue is a pretty long street in Washington, D.C. So I'm going to say as long as Georgia Avenue. So he says, wow. So he said, well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you do this. This is a very unique situation. but I'm going to let you do this. And I wish you well. So that's how that's how it started, um, the outpatient program. And then I went to a Afrocentric program, inpatient. Finally got a bed space. But it didn't work out because <clears throat> I didn't like the part where if you talk in group, you got to put a sign around your neck. I will not talk and and look at yourself in a mirror for half of the day. And I, I said, man, you know, this is this is not for me. So they begged me to stay. I didn't stay long. And eventually they took me back where they picked me up from. And I went back to the woman's house that I was in a relationship with. And I told her, I said, look, I'm not using. I'm going to my meetings. I was going to two meetings a day until I get into another program. And finally, here comes Vincent. My big brother, sponsor, he sees me for the first time in probably a couple, couple, couple of years. He says, oh, look what the wind blew in. And so I looked at him. I said, yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm back this time. I'm for real. He says, take a seat. So he says, uh, what are you up to? So I told him where I was, who I was living with. And he cut me off right there. He says, Kevin, you may be clean but you don't know anything about a relationship until you get a relationship with yourself and the God of your understanding. You understand that? I said, yeah. He says, you say you need a, a, a inpatient program. I said, yes. He says, okay, I got a counselor who's coming here tonight. I'm gonna introduce you to him. When I introduce you to him, you follow his directive. So the counselor comes in after the meeting is over with, we, 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 we talk. He, he gave me the instructions. And, you know, uh, Scott, I don't know if this was a test from God or I don't know where the test came from, but I passed the test. So every day on a Monday, Gene told me to report to the inpatient treatment center every Monday at eight o'clock. So I had to walk over this bridge with a trash bag on my back in August of 1989. But I surrendered April the 7th, 1989. And the first four attempts, the first four Mondays, I struck out. And after every time there was no bed space, I went to two meetings a day. Went back to my friend's house on that fifth Monday I was let in, but now here comes a problem. I got a back problem and I still have a back problem. Hmm. And this, and this particular program, you got to work. It's a work therapy, spiritual, a faith-based program. You, you go to work just like normal people go to work. Sure. So I told, I told the program director who I could sense didn't like me. I told her I had a back problem. She says, well, I'm sorry, you, you, you can't. You can't come into this program. I said, Miss, look, would you rather me go to the penitentiary or would you rather me go to the graveyard? Because I'm trying to save my life. I know there's something in this program that I could do. So she went somewhere 
I think she went to the to the head administrator, told him about my situation. So I got in. I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest person to enter in that particular day. It was five of us. I was 32. And they took me to my dorm, and that was that was that was the start of something new. And I, I, I tell you, I stayed in the program for 21 months. I uh, worked in the sorting room, and, which taught me about patience. And then they, we moved to another. Uh, matter of fact, we moved to a hotel um, because they sold the first facility to the Georgetown University. Now is Georgetown University Law Library. They sold that to Georgetown. And believe it or not, you wouldn't think this in a million years that a treatment facility would put a bunch of addicts and alcoholics in a hotel right next to the liquor store. And that's what they did. But you know what, man? If you surrender, right. that wouldn't, it doesn't matter. And so we 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 in the hotel and it's about 80, 80 of us and we're two to a room and uh, um I got a I got a promotion. So they promoted me from the sorting room to security. Ain't that something? I'm secure. <laughs> <laughs> and so I uh I had to make sure the guys go to sleep by eleven o'clock. They had to turn their keys in and and I had to make coffee at five o'clock every morning, which I I didn't like because I didn't drink coffee. So why right. should I have to make it? But it's all about change. And so I made it for a while. And then she, you know, she gave me a break, the program director. And and I noticed, man, that these guys were, uh, one guy uh, 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 had seven seven cups of coffee before he could start work. And I, I used to look at this. And I said, man, he's just going from one, one, one addiction to another. But in any event, that was my role. And... On the second floor of a hotel, picture us, the entire treatment center on the second floor of a two-floor motel. And I'm in the middle, at the end of one, at the end of the uh, floor on, on the right side, and everybody has to come upstairs to get ice. So on the first floor was everything that I explored or seen in the street, okay? Wow. The prostitutes, the pimps, the the, 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 the the cocaine, everything was on the first floor because th those type of customers, um, they were on the first floor. But they didn't know, they didn't know that the second floor was full of guys oh, that are trying to trying to stay stay away from that lifestyle. So every, every so every night I would talk to a prostitute or talk to a pimp or or talk to a drug dealer and but I never did disclose, you know, what what was going on and they never did they never did ask. But one night, one night I remember so vividly was 15 guys came about 10 guys came from the left side. We couldn't lock the doors at each end of the hallway. It had to stay unlocked. But this particular night about 3 3 a.m. 10 guys are walking towards me. Now, I'm not afraid I'm just waiting for them to ask me a question. And they were looking for a Joe Parker. And we had a Joe Parker in treatment. And I told him, I said, you know what, sir, um, the name doesn't sound familiar, but um, maybe he's downstairs or you might want to uh, uh, ask, the, ask the manager. And um, But he, I noticed he always kept his right hand in his under under his shirt. So I was assuming that he had a had a pistol. So anyway, they left. And the next morning, I couldn't wait to tell Joe Parker that I believe I saved your life. So whatever you did in the street is finally is finally caught up with you. But you better stay in the program and and and, and keep praying. But you gotta face the music. Pay now or pay later, you're going to face the music. So those are some of the scenarios that I had to deal with in treatment. And then my roommate decided to go downstairs and hit some crack, mm. come upstairs and want to talk me to death. Now I knew <laughs> it. 
<laughs> I knew it, you know, I, I I knew it because, I mean, I wasn't a crack user, but I can tell when you're one way and now you're coming back upstairs and you're another way and you're sweating and now you want to talk. And I tried my best. I think I did pretty good to get him <laughs> away from to get him away from me because I don't want, you know, the the the, the odor of, of a cigarette or the odor of a crack, if it gets in your pores, you can you can provide a dirty urine and then you're kicked out of the program. And I knew this. And so I kept telling him to go to bed. Finally he went, but I wrote him up because that was my job. So I wrote him up, but I didn't know that he was staff's informant until later on. So finally, he left the program entirely. Crack called him. and uh, But before he left, they put him out of my room. That's what I wanted. That's what I fought for. Put him out of my room, put him in another room. Then eventually he left. About a couple of years later, I saw him at a pizza hut. And he told me how tough I was and how serious I was about my uh, treatment process. And I was. And then finally, finally, um, my 21 months was up. And my first job after treatment was I took care of my grandfather for four for four years uh, as he suffered from Alzheimer's. But a lot of times in treatment, they tell you, don't go back to a family that drinks. Now, my family has been destroyed mainly from alcohol and drugs, but primarily alcohol. And I had to go back because... My grandfather needs my help. And uh, out of 10 grandsons, wow. I was I was the closest. So I took care of him. And um, he was he he passed. He passed away 25 years clean. <laughs> so we had yeah. a pretty good we had a pretty good four year run for the last four years of his life, uh, 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 Scott. But, yeah, that fifth treatment center did the job. And while I was in treatment, I wrote the book. And I got awesome. the idea. I got the idea from a uh, uh, an ex user who writes for the Washington Post, and I met him at the, uh, the AA meeting, and he gave me the idea. And man, when they put me when they put me on the, on that night job from from ten 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 thirty to seven in the morning, everybody sleep. When they yeah. went to sleep, when they went to sleep, I went to work. And he says, I dare you. I dare you to I dare you to write three to five pages a night. He said, You're gonna stay there for 21 months? I said, Yes, sir. He said, Well, you'll leave there with a manuscript. And guess what? I did. And so um, now, you know, I, I I procrastinated long enough and took it off the shelf and had to type it. And so uh, I'm seeking funds on GoFundMe to awesome. uh I need the expenses, you know, the uh, proofreading and editing, and I'm going to eventually uh, get get that. So, uh, and the title is called the turning, the turning point. And at each place where we stayed, we stayed at uh, on, on uh, 526 First Street. Then we went to the motel, and then we moved to a 11 million dollar residential site, and we were the first group. We were the first group to touchdown on in 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 that living quarters 11 million dollar building the warehouse and the residential quarters is behind the warehouse brand new we were the first group to do that in uh eight i think it was 90 90 because i left in 91 so that was the treatment process but now when you rewind the tape when you re rewind it, I was just a little boy. I got an older sister. And I noticed I had a dog and I liked to play outside. And I would always pick up rocks and see how far I could throw a rock. Oh, man. All of a sudden, found out. I go to my grandfather's garage. I'm living, I'm living among all these women and one man. And when we moved to our second home, my grandmother passed and the wake was in the living room. And you know, I experienced all that. People come in the front door, go out the kitchen door. So the same, same year, 
uh, in 63, my grandfather built with a fifth grade education, him and two other guys built the second home. And that's the same year my grandmother passed. So I'm, I'm, I'm in a house with my mother, her sister's grandfather. So I slept with my grandfather and grandmother when, and, uh, but I noticed one thing and I noticed every time before they get in bed, they would get on their knees and fold their hands. And I'm trying, you know, as a kid, I'm wondering, well, what are they doing? But they but they're telling me to, to get in between them and do the same thing. Fold your hands. So I I hey, I follow the crowd. But little did I know they were praying. Right. <laughs> you know? So 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 I can I can uh I can I can thank them for introducing me to 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 prayer. So I would follow my grandfather, you know, and Notice we go to church on Sundays and, and baseball. And then I noticed I went in, into a brand new garage and I see these brand new bats, balls and baseball gear. I'm saying, what are these uniforms doing here? And it had the name Braves, just like the Atlanta Braves and same color. And, you know, as a kid, I began to smell. Look, Scott, I begin to smell a, a brand new Louisville slugger. Oh I yeah. Smelt, I smelt the you know smelt the baseballs, brand new Raleigh oh, baseballs. Mm. So I didn't know until later on that my grandfather was the uh, one of the managers of uh, Negro Lake Sandlot baseball team. So Sundays, awesome. Sundays, the ritual was church baseball. Hell yeah. Now. <laughs> I'm at the baseball games, and believe it or not, man, I became the bat boy. You awesome. know, and, and so I'm putting bats in order, chasing the foul balls, because my reward after every game was a chicken sandwich and soda. And I look forward to that every Sunday. <laughs> and so now as, as time go on, you know, what I noticed growing up, I thought it was normal. That every Thanksgiving and Christmas and all and birthdays, they called my grandfather's house the house. That's where everybody come, you know, the Hamiltons, the Wilsons, they get together. And I noticed most of the people drank. They drank, they were drinking wine, drinking liquor, drinking beer. Most, you know, and my grandfather, like I told you, he passed 25 years sober, but he wasn't an alcoholic. And but 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 he was sipping on like those miniature beers. So as a kid, I was kind of inquisitive. So mm -hmm. one day I told my sister, I said, look, everybody's downstairs. They got some wine in the refrigerator. It's some grape Concord Manchevy wine. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to take try a it sip. out. Yeah, yeah, try it out. So, <laughs> so she, so she was my lookout person. <laughs> so she stood in the in the hallway to make sure, you know, like it's a hallway, there's a door that leads to the basement. So she stood right in the hallway and, and kept the kitchen door kind of cracked to let me know if somebody was coming. So I took, it was the, my first drink was grape Concord Manischewe wine. And I tell you, man, it, it it did my taste buds. It, it, look, I, <laughs> hey, I kept on sipping, you know, and I kept on sipping and I kept on sipping. And kept, I don't know how many sips I took, but that was the beginning. Unknowingly, that was the beginning of my addiction. And so if if somebody were to approach me when I was younger and say, well, what are you doing? I said, well, what do you mean what I'm doing? I'm doing the same thing you do. And, you know, that that would be my response. But I never got caught. So as time go on, it went from it went from wine. And at this time, we move away. We move away from my grandfather's house. My mother, she met a uh, which turned out to be her husband, our stepfather. But we didn't know him. You know, we, we, we didn't know him at all. Oh, and by the way, I met my father. I met my biological father as a bad boy when my grandfather's team played my father's team. And my uncle told me, hey, Kevin, when you get a break, 
go over there. And number 21, that's your father. His name is Albert. Go introduce wow. yourself. Go introduce yourself. And I looked at him. That's my father. He said, yeah. He said, when you get a break, go over there and introduce yourself. I said, okay. So when I got a break, I took off, ran over there. And it's like two guys that opened up a little space for me to sit there. They didn't know how long I was going to stay. And one of them was my father. And, you know, I, I just said, uh, hey, hey, man, you know, and shook his hand. He says, hi, Kevin, how you doing? I said, I'm doing pretty good. And I said, well, nice to meet you, but I got to get back to work. And, 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 and he laughed. And so that's how I met my biological father. So now my mother meets this guy. Matter of fact, he was the police chief of the town, the town where I'm from. He was the police chief. And so you do what your mother say. Pack your bags. We're moving. Now, I don't think my grandfather had any say so. My mother's grown. and. She found the love of her life. So what do kids do? You honor your parents and you go along with the program. So we moved in, into this apartment, this three, three bedroom apartment. And I'm an outside person. Whatever season it was, that was the sport I was playing, organized. And so, you know, I would be respectful. Good morning. Good evening. How you doing? And never really trying to get to know him because I was so occupied with sports. And so we stayed in the apartment for a couple of years. Then we moved to a home, a Rambler home in the state of Maryland. And one night, one night, no, before this incident happened, we played in a, playoff game in basketball. We played in a playoff game at a, a highly prestigious uh, basketball powerhouse high school called DeMatha. And I was the point guard and my one of my best buddies was a shooting guard and his father was the coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, Bobby could shoot and I could shoot too, but but I, I set him up and and take the assist. So as uh, during halftime, we're losing 15, by 15 points. And the head coach of that high school comes in his locker room and approaches our coach. And he says, uh, hey, Coach Hampton, uh, um, uh, I hope you guys make a comeback. But next year, I want number 10 and I want number 14. Now, anybody will tell you in this area, oh, you know, the, the mouth is known nationally but they'll tell you if you are being a recruit to go to that school to play for Morgan Wooten you must be a ball player sure so so I was happy and I'm you know I, I, I that's the one reg reg regret that I didn't go but after knowing that this coach wanted me Something happened in a million years that I would ne never think that would happen. My mother received two tickets to go to a, a dance. It's called a cabaret. And she wanted her husband to go. He said no. And so she says, okay, I'm going to call her girlfriend. And so my mother and her girlfriend went to the cabaret. Now, here's the reason why my stepfather said no. I'm on the bed counting pennies, but I always kept a baseball bat. I'm counting pennies in my underwear. My bedroom is adjacent to my parents' bedroom. If I crack my door open, I can see part of their bedroom. So one night, Our stepfather decided to go into my sister's room. I didn't see him go in. But when I heard her say, what are you doing? Get off of me. I reacted. Now, if I knew exactly where his 38 revolver was, I would have killed him with his own gun. 
But I had that Louisville Slugger, 32 ounce. I grabbed it out of fear. Now I'm 5'8, he's 6'6. Be mindful, he's the police, he was the police chief of the town where I'm from. Mm -hmm. I entered the room and I didn't know whether to come up with the bat or come down with the bat. So I, I, I came down like I'm chopping wood and knocked him out. I cannot tell you how we made it from one part of Maryland back to my grandfather's house, but we made it. My sister's crying. And so when we got to my grandfather's house late at night, uh, my aunts opened the door. They were stunned. And we sat in a familiar spot, which was the living room. And I'm sitting on, 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 on the couch and I'm the spokesperson. My sister's, you know, her knees are shaking. So I'm telling my three aunts what's going on. My grandfather wakes up. He comes halfway down the hall. And I'm, I'm so grateful I'm in the honors program. They told their father, everything is all right. Tanya and Kevin is here. But they lied. And so he turns around and go back to bed. Because he believed what his daughter told yeah, him. Sure. So now our mother is curious. She goes home and see we're not there. So she goes to the police station and we're missing. But really, we're not missing. To her, we're missing. And so she comes to her father's house with the police. That same aunt that told her father, everything is okay. Kevin and, and Tanya is here. She told that county police officer, everything is all right. We won't do a report at this time. What the, and, and basically what they did, they swept that scenario underneath the table. Mm. And man, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So I became rebellious. You know, I became rebellious. I told my mother, I'm not coming back living with no uh, 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 child molester. I said, I, 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 if I do, I'm sleeping downstairs. I'm not going to say anything to him. And, and, and if I ever find his gun, I'm going to kill him. And, she, you know, I don't know how she thought if I was joking or not, but I was serious. And so my, we had to go back, unfortunately, and she never asked either either one of us what happened. She asked the child molester when he vanished for a weekend and went back to South Carolina. He didn't know what was going to happen. Finally, he comes back. And I overheard a conversation. My mother asked her husband, did you do it? And I said, I can't believe this. You know he's not going to admit. And so I told my sister, you know, we can get around this. You and I can go in the courtroom and put this guy where he belongs. And my sister got scared because she didn't want to hurt our mother. Sure. I said, this has nothing to do with our mother. This has everything to do with you and me. And she never, she never wanted to do it, man. So by me becoming rebellious, I'm thinking the only way I can get out of this is to drink. My mother is 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 alcoholic. Even though she did 35 years on a government job, she's a she she's a functional alcoholic. And so liquor was downstairs. There was a liquor bar downstairs. So I can have any drink I want. And then by me not going to DeMatha, which was a private Catholic school, I went to a public school that was right across the street from the from the house where we lived. And that's when I was introduced to marijuana at 14 and then it escalated to to speed and then cocaine but i'm still not an addict i'm thinking in my mind i'm not an addict because you know i'm i'm not doing nothing wrong and and uh, i'm going to work you know and so i was basically a dressed up garbage can you know and and, and going to work you know and 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 then all of a sudden it got real bad it got real bad to the point that it, it was nothing funny anymore. My addiction, I had went through the four stages. Experiment, recreational, habitual, and addicted. I went through all four. No, no, let me take that back. Experiment, recreational, abusive, habitual. It became a habit. Nothing was funny. 
you know, I, I, I robbed, stole from everybody, anybody. I didn't discriminate. And, uh, you know, overdosing one time. And I thank God for bringing me back. Right. And finally, man, it, you know, it, 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 it sunk in, you know, um, after that fourth round of, of all those treatment centers, which were 30 days, and 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 I I finally it came back. It 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 haunted me when when the counselor told me in the third program. He says, "Man, thirty days and treatment is not going to do you no good when you when you were strung out for seventeen years. You need long term." Well, I finally got it, and when I got that long term, man, I took advantage of it. I followed I followed all the rules and regulations. I never came in late. They stopped calling my name after uh, for urine after uh, 60, 60 days and uh, graduated from the program. And, 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 and now, you know, years, years later, I, I just acknowledged 34 years. But as I look back, as I look back, I'm thankful that it took a police to chase me, whereas he could have shot me in the back, but he shot in the air and we were in the woods and just got finished getting high. Man, you don't want to run when you just got finished speedballing. You, 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 you don't, you want to sit there and just enjoy the moment. Well, he, he, he's a popular cop, about 6'10", they call him Bigfoot. He invaded our he invaded our party. When he said halt, my mind said run. Right. <laughs> because I am not going to DC jail like this. So I ran. This was the turning point. That's why I titled the book The Turning Point. This was the turning point. I ran. And I kept on running. And I saw these two beautiful girls wiping down the hubcaps of a Mercedes-Benz. I fell. <laughs> I fell right in front of them. And they looked at me and said, honey, it's, it's like they said it in slow motion. They said, honey, honey, you better get up. Here they come. So the street that I fell on was one way. So I noticed the cop car coming up the one-way street. So I'm running on the, on the, on the, on the sidewalk. So now <laughs> I'm... I, I'm laughing because I can laugh at it now. But when I was actually running, it wasn't nothing funny. And I am even with the car. So the cop is looking at me, asking me, are you tired of running? And I looked at her. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not tired and I'm not going to stop. And after I said that, I immediately jumped over the fence of, from, of, of someone's front yard, hopped over the fence of her backyard and got up on a little hill and I could see three gigantic holes. And I figured these holes were for some brand new homes. So like a army soldier, I got in one of those holes and my, see, like my heart was going to come out my chest, man. And here I go again. I didn't ask God so many times, God, if you get me out of this, I'll do this. Sure. God, if you get me out of this, I won't do it no more. Oh, God. And man, I, I, I kept saying it. I kept saying it. I kept saying it. And all of a sudden, I could hear this conversation between the owner of the house, that, I, that, that her yard that I ran through, and the cop that asked me, are you tired of running? She said, excuse me, miss. My name is Lieutenant so-and-so. We don't know the person we're trying to apprehend. We don't know if he's armed or not. But can you go in your backyard to see if you see him? Uh, he's green, green sweatshirt and blue jeans and construction boots. Would you mind? And she says, uh, no, no problem, officer. I'll be right back. She did exactly what the officer said. And believe it or not, I know it's a God. I know it is a God. She looked at me and she probably said, this could be my husband. This could be my nephew. This could be my son. 
She looked at me. I'm looking at her in an upward position. She's looking at me in a downward position. And she said to herself, I can't do this to this young man. So she goes back, Scott. She goes back. She tells the officer, officer, there's nobody back there. Oh, wow. I think he kept on running. <laughs> and I heard the whole conversation. And so I said, oh, man. Thank you, God. You know, and so I waited until the nighttime. I waited until nighttime to make my move back to my buddy's house to let him know this is it. I'm done. I retire. I surrender. When nightfall came, I got up. I walked right back to the same red light district and somebody noticed me. They said, hey, man, you just got out? I said, brother, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, weren't you in the woods earlier today when the paddy wagon, when Bigfoot and the paddy wagon showed up? I said, brother, you must got the wrong person. And he says, man, everybody got locked up. Well, thanks for sharing. And I <laughs> kept going, you know. And so yeah. when I got to my buddy's house, uh, knocked on the back door, and uh, I got on my knees in front of a man. First time in front of a man. And I asked God to help me. And God heard my, my humble cry. And that was, the, that was the, 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 the beginning of the outpatient program, which ultimately led me to the, the Salvation Army. But I, I, can, I can tell you... Um, I had some 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 cohorts. They 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 retired from the post office, and I was in the post office and easy job. But my addiction, my choices ruined it. I should have been re, should be retiring with a full time pension now, but my addiction just wouldn't allow it, man. And sometimes, even when I didn't want to use, I really didn't want to use. As soon as I got that check in my hand, it seems like. My mood just changed. And, you know, sometimes when I want to turn the car to the left to go home, the car turned to the right and I end up at a drug spot and I'm up and down all day long. And I never forget the supervisor asked me. He showed me my, my pattern on paper with red ink. He says, uh, <laughs> Kevin, uh, I see you. Uh, you, 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 you you off. You're off on Mondays and Tuesdays but I see you take off um, Saturdays, and, Saturdays and Sundays. He says, um, do you have a problem? And I remember Marie, me looking him in his eyes and said, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I said it multiple times. I don't have a problem. So I, I come to find out that I was in big denial, you know, being in denial. And then finally, I got the help that I needed. And they... Uh, they fired me uh, wrongfully because I got permission to go in to save my life. And so when I came out, uh, I won a case without a attorney. I was a pro se litigant and you can't fire, you can't fire someone who's in treatment or someone who has successfully completed treatment and is no longer using illicit drugs or alcohol. That's a American Disability Act law. Yeah. And so and so I, I won. I won and and good. Um, good. They couldn't they couldn't believe it, man. But that's hey, that's 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 my story. And today I don't um, I'm not attached to to my family because there's no reason to 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 be you know my grandfather passed and you know uh and they celebrate and it's a celebration that i choose not to be a part of i like the i like the recovery uh meetings and conventions and and that's my life so i love them from a distance sure. and um yeah so that's 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 it that's awesome man thanks man Good stuff, dude. I, and you can tell that uh, it, it obviously I haven't read your book, but um, if uh, reading your book is as fascinating as, as hearing you speak, 
it's going to be a good one and give you a, I mean, I could listen to you talk all day, man. You, uh, you, you, the way you tell your story is, is very captivating. So thank you. Um, so many similarities. Uh, it, it's just every time I have a guest on here, it's, you know, I, I've had plenty of women on here even, and it's just, this disease is so, I mean, you know, you, I met my dad the same kind of the same way you did. Um, one day my mom put me in this big, uh, lifted truck and we went for a ride back in some trails and she's like, Hey, this is your dad. So why not? That's, I mean, you know, I, what, yeah. you know, I, 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 that has nothing to do with addiction, but it's, uh, our stories are similar and in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I, I related a lot. Uh, one thing you said toward the end about, uh, money in your pocket. Um, I got out of treatment. And um, I was in there for 60 days. My grandfather picked me up. He brought me home, gave me a big hug, told me he's proud of me, shook my hand. And there was a $50 bill in his hand. He left four hours later after leaving treatment. I was right back to the same thing. Um, it's it's something to, to think about in, in early recovery, um, maybe asking for help and managing money. Um, you In your cover story that you sent me that I was kind of looking at it, you talked about, uh, and you don't have to talk about anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you had a, uh, you had a stroke it talked about in there. Um, yeah. you know, uh, I, I know scary life, things like that can, can change people. Um, I really relate to, um, to that. I relate to, you know, you talk about, uh, surrender. Um, when that finally happens, I know it did for me. When you finally surrender, like that weight and it's like, I, I don't know how to put it into words, man. You know, uh, you finally surrender and give in like that, that weight of trying to find the next fix is lifted. It's, I don't know, it's peace. And, you know, um, I just, I think, I don't, what do you think? I mean, when you finally absolutely surrender, you know it, right? Yeah. 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 You, you, you know, when <laughs> You know when the show is over, you know, yeah. because because you look at it, you say, wait a minute. I'm doing the same thing. A different year, a different month, the same thing over and over and over and over. And I'm not getting no good results. And yeah. I'm taking I'm taking chances of putting my physical freedom on the line. I could possibly die. You know, I could possibly, you know, be caught up in a drive-by, being in the wrong place, trying to get some drugs. Man, I, and, 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 you know, that a, a light bulb, a light bulb went off in my head telling Kevin, this is not you. You're better than this. So I was tired. I was yeah. emotionally, physically, spiritually drained. 17 years of wasted time. Sure. But you never, you know, I didn't come, I didn't come into the world to be an addict, but the way, or alcoholic, but the way that Mrs. Mrs. Taylor told me, and she gave me a lot of tough love, man. She, she says, Kevin, don't beat yourself up so much. Right. She said, did your father drink? I said, yes. Did your mother drink? I said, yes. She says, well, it's a great chance that you are genetically addicted. Yeah. It was just a matter of time for you to pick up. You were already introduced to alcohol in your mother's womb. Yeah. And I looked at her and the way that she painted that picture, I said, oh, wow. So she says, you're not responsible for your addiction. You are res responsible for your recovery. And she knew I was tired, babe. She knew I was tired when I told her I'm not taking any methadone to get off yeah. of her own. Because yeah. she, she's never heard that before. Yeah, She's never heard that before. Well, well does this guy really have a heroin uh, addiction? Oh, yes. Yes. And the person, if, 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 if Dr., and this is in the book, if Dr. Jackson would have asked me, what is the man's name? That's going to help you to go cold turkey. I would have told him, but he never asked. He just said, "Okay, son. Um, I just hey, you 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 got my approval, and I 
I wish you nothing but the best. So tell Miss Taylor, she can do her thing. I said, thank you, sir. And that was it. That was it, man. Because we used to get high off of methadone when we couldn't couldn't find the right heroin product. Methadone was always a, sure. a, 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 a option. And those two drugs are no different. They're no, no I, different. You know, so I, I, I say when I surrendered, I gave myself a chance to get to know who I am, the things I like to do in life, in spite of being rejected, fired, uh, a drunk driver hit me, you know, now I walk with a cane, I got chronic back pain, I got, I need two uh, shoulder surgeries, I have patella syndrome with arthritic uh, pain in my, in both knees, I wear I wear two two basketball braces, um, you know, uh, uh, so I can walk. And uh, I'm dealing with a major what would it say major major depression. And when somebody tell you you were born with it, man, you look at them like you're crazy. But sure. they they are physicians, and they said to me the only way that I overcame my depression was by playing sports and they they really explained it to me so that's what i'm dealing with now i don't play sports anymore i walk i walk everywhere and um, i'm thankful i can walk and I'm, I'm i'm in constant pain i'm in constant pain every day the only time that i'm not in pain is when i'm asleep but <laughs> doctor the doctor wanted to give me out of all the people in the world he didn't know my history until I told him. After sure. the fact, he wanted to give me some OxyContin. Mm-hmm. I said, excuse me? I said, for the back pain? He says, either you take the OxyContin or the injections. I said, well, doctor, I, I don't I don't mean no harm and no disrespect. I don't want neither one. I said, if 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 those two are the only choices that I have to that I have uh, uh to select from, I will just live in constant pain for the rest of my life. He says, well, how about Motrin? I said, no, sir. He said, Mr. Wilson, you got to take something. I said, no, I don't. And I said, and let me explain why. And when I did, he says, oh, man. He says, well, you can take Tramadol. And he told me, and he lied. He told me that Tramadol (laughs) would not cause any side effects, side effects, but they did. So I took that one time and, and that was it. So every day that my high power gives me, God gives me, mm-hmm. every day he gives me, um, I live an abnormal life and I can't do the things that I normally would be able to do because I'm, I'm, I'm a survivor of a near-death car accident that I'm just grateful that I can still see I can talk, I can hear, I can walk, I can, I love sports. Yeah. And, but, but, but now when I go see uh, the WNBA action, I have to put on layers, layers of, 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 of clothing so that the air in the arena won't get into any of my muscles because I got arthritis and, and the sure. air and, and arthritis don't get along. So sometimes that limited me from seeing a game in person, but thank God for the television. Sure. And um, that's, that's, yeah. So once a person surrender, it, it's, 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 see, if you don't have a, a connection with the God of your understanding, you're not going to make it in recovery. Yeah. You're not going to make it in recovery. <clears throat> you got to incorporate a God of your understanding. That's that's what Bill Wilson, and that's my cousin, you know, <laughs> Bill, oh, no. uh, Bill, Bill W. who 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 invented NA. Um, they they went to two ministers to find out how two alcoholics could stop drinking, and that's how yeah. AA was established. So you gotta have some type of spirituality in order to make it. And when I get when I went into 
the last program, I was still smoking cigarettes. Sure. And I and I wish I'd never did. And a year later, we had a prayer chapel in this particular facility. And I was going to church and I asked the minister, you know, I'm 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 doing pretty good not using alcohol and drugs, but I'm still smoking Newport. And this is what he told me. He said, every time, first of all, ask God to strip you from the urge, compulsion, and obsession to smoke. And find a little secret place to pray. So we had a we had a chapel because it was mandatory in the, in the program that we go to church every Sunday. So every time I I I I gave my request, my request to God. I used that prayer chapel like never before. And before you know it, the urge, compulsion, and obsession to smoke cigarettes was gone. So I'm 34 years clean from alcohol and drugs, and I'm 33 years clean from nicotine. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm with you. Bill W. was a genius. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I know some people, like myself, when I first came into AA, the, the God word was something that, that kind of turned me away. Um, I, I suggest people read chapter four, we agnostics in the big book. If you, if um, you know, Bill wasn't, wasn't saying necessarily one way, there are multiple pathways to that uh, being catapulted into the fourth dimension of spirituality. He, he wasn't saying one pathway, but you're absolutely right. It wasn't until I started, I found the God of my understanding or gods of my understanding, I guess, to be more accurate in my belief system. And started praying every night for guidance. Just I didn't want anything given to me. I just wanted guidance and to see see the things that I that I've been missing. And and people can believe whatever they want to believe. They can believe that it was just me focusing on on things and seeing it myself. That's fine if you think that. I think that I was being guided by something that I can't explain. And I and for me, I don't have to explain it. I don't care. I, I don't have to explain it to anybody. I know that it's working for me and that's that's what I'm going to continue to do. And one thing I want to make sure that before we I let you go here that you talked about all the pain that you're in right now and you've said no to all these these drugs that could help relieve that pain. Would it be fair to say that going back to using a substance whether it be alcohol or other drugs would alleviate some of that pain? Would that be fair to say? that you would feel physically better, right? Oh, this is this is the best time hey, Scott, this is the best time to use in a right. situation in a situation like that. Look, I told somebody. Sure. I have t- told multiple people if I if I would never get sick, <laughs> never have a hangover from the drugs and alcohol that I use, I still be using it. Right. But 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 man, it, it's a terrible feeling sure. after you, you go up and down, up and down, up and down. You don't want to eat. Then you eat. You don't want to eat. Then you don't take care of yourself. Man, then you gotta go out. You gotta you got to rob somebody. You gotta Yeah. Uh oh. You muted yourself, Kevin. You muted hey Kevin, you muted yourself, bud. A self-destructive lifestyle that there you go. Are you still Yeah, yeah. You just uh you muted yourself and then uh your camera's off now. If you want to turn that back on, you don't have to, but yeah, you muted yourself there for that last little bit. Keep going. Yeah, it's a self um Scott, it's a it's a self-destructive lifestyle that that I I uh, I don't care to reattach myself with. And yeah. and you know it's it's, hey man, I'm I'm, I love the way that I'm living, even though I'm in constant pain. But that's, um, yeah, I wouldn't that's... trade it in for it. I wouldn't trade it in, man. I would not trade this back in for that. 
That's exactly what I was looking for, man. That's exactly what I was looking for because all that pain and what that, that brief relief of using again could take away this life, your life right now. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but from what I'm hearing is this life, even with the pain that the physical pain that you're feeling is tremendously better, even with that pain than it was in use. That's the point I'm trying to drive home to these, to, to people that are listening. Like, you know, yeah. oh, my heart is broken because of so and so. Um, you know, my knee, my back. You know, I I can't live like this. You can, you can, right. and you can be happy. And then that's, yes, I, I think. I mean, look at the smile. Yeah. Look at the yeah. smile on Kevin's face. This yeah, dude man. is happy, man. Yeah, he's in man. Pa- he's in pain, but he's happy. And I think yeah. that's that's a that's one of the huge things I think people can take from from our chat today. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and, and 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 I would say this too, Scott. I met a young lady on Twitter, just like I met you, and, and you may have, may have met her yourself. Um, she's a, she's a, she was a female champion boxer. She had 25 years of recovery and lost it. And I think now she has, I think 10, 10 months. But also I met a person a newer person that had 25 years and once again, money changed his mood after he hit the lottery and he forgot just for that minute mm. that he was the addict and an alcoholic. You know, he hit the lottery for 250, but he thanked God for allowing him to make it back to the room to give that report. So right. the disease of addiction can be tricky it can be tricky if you allow it yeah. money money doesn't change my mood in, 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 anymore because when you surrender when you when you truly surrender there are no triggers there are none and I didn't understand I, that terminology in, in the beginning because I didn't know what they were and when when counselors would, would say well what would trigger you to go back there's no such thing as a trigger with me. It's it's a choice. Yeah. And and my choice today, each day that God gives me until I die, my choice, regardless of the circumstances, I will not use. Right and on. that's it. That's it. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll give you a, a, a little sample for me. I was uh, not even an hour before we got on the podcast. I was on the brink of tears. You know, I, I just the mental crap that was going on, some things with my doctor and, and just I woke up just eh, and then these little things started to set me off. But I can tell you right now, since that true surrender happened. Going to buy there's a gas station 100 yards across the street from my house, going to buy a bottle never crossed my mind. It was call the doctor, work through it. I talked to some people on Twitter and I said, I'm going to get on here and I'm going to talk to Kevin and damn it. When I'm done talking to Kevin, I know I'm going to feel better because that's what, that's what happens. Seek out a, another person and addiction. And that's how you can help get yourself through the day. And that's exactly what we did. And yeah. man, I tell you what, I, I feel like a million damn dollars now, but I'll tell you, Kevin, man, I, I wasn't certain I was going to make it to this thing, but I'm seven months in and the longer I go, the the stronger it's going to be. And you are a great example of that being that evidence to be true. Yeah. 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 And that's, 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 that's how it works. You took the right step because that's how I was taught. They said, even if you want to use, you don't have to use call somebody. And I remember at once upon a time I had like 150 I lost a telephone book, man. I had about 150 ex-users in my telephone book. So if I didn't make it to a meeting, I could have one over the telephone. That's yeah. how serious I was about surrendering each day. Each oh, yeah. day. Each yep. day. It's every day. Yep. Make yeah. that decision every single day. All right. right, Kevin, I'll let you go. We've been on here for a minute, but uh, okay. is there any any info that you want to throw out there? I mean, um, yeah. you got the book. It's obviously a great story. I'd love to get your book um, when it's available, if it's available now. Um, anything you want to plug with that? And I'll, I'll do my best yeah. to get your name out there, dude. 
Yeah, yeah. My book is not published yet. I, I, I am seeking. I have a go, a go, a book campaign on uh, the, the GoFundMe website. Sure. It's okay. it's a www.gofundme.com slash You muted yourself again, buddy. Go ahead and hit us with that. Check your uh, your you're muted again, Kevin. <laughs> the timing uh, you ac you accidentally hit your mute button, right? So we got www.gofundme.com. What's the rest of it? S slash saving lives through treatment. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So we'll get that. If you, uh, you know, uh, send send me that in the email. I'll copy okay. and paste it when I post a link to this, and we'll okay. try to we'll try to get your message out there, man. I I I really love this, dude. Thank you okay. so much. Hey, thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. You have a great day and stay in touch. Okay. Hey, I will, man. I will. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See you. See you, Kevin. All right. Take care.